8. France, his iron bridges, his diving boat, and what he did with it in France. Soon after buying the farm for his mother, young Fulton went to England and then to France. He stayed in those countries 20 years. In England Fulton built some famous iron bridges, but he was more interested in boats than in anything else. While he was in France he made what he called a diving boat. It would go underwater nearly as well as it would on top, so that wherever a fish could go, Fulton could follow him. His object in building such a boat was to make war in a new way. When a swordfish attacks a whale, he slips round under him and stabs the monster with his sword. Fulton said, if an enemy's warship should come into the harbor to do mischief, I can get into my diving boat, slip under the ship, fasten a torpedo to it, and blow the ship sky high. Napoleon Bonaparte liked nothing so much as war, and he let Fulton have an old vessel to see if he could blow it up. He tried it, and everything happened as he expected, nothing was left of the vessel but the pieces. Footnote 3, Swordfish, the name given to a large fish which has a sword-like weapon, several feet in length, projecting from its upper jaw. Footnote 4, Torpedo, hurricane filled with powder, and so constructed that it could be fastened to the bottom of a vessel. 195. What Fulton did in England with his diving boat, what he said about America. Then Fulton went back to England and tried the same thing there. He went out in his diving boat and fastened a torpedo under a vessel. And when the torpedo exploded, the vessel, as he said, went up like a bag of feathers, flying in all directions. The English people paid Fulton $75,000 for showing them what he could do in this way. Then they offered to give him a great deal more in fact to make him a very rich man if he would promise never to let any other country know just how he blew vessels up. But Fulton said, I am an American, and if America should ever want to use my diving boat in war, she shall have it first of all. 196. Fulton makes his first steamboat. But while Fulton was doing these things with his diving boat, he was always thinking of the paddle wheel scout he used to fish in when a boy. I turned those paddle wheels by a crank, said he. But what is to hinder my putting a steam engine into such a boat, and making it turn the crank for me? That would be a steamboat. Such boats had already been tried, but, for one reason or another, they had not got on very well. Robert R. Livingston was still in France, and he helped Fulton build his first steamboat. It was put on a river there, it moved, and that was about all. 197. Robert Fulton and Mr. Livingston go to New York and build a steamboat, the trip up the Hudson River. But Robert Fulton and Mr. Livingston both believed that a steamboat could be built that would go, and that would keep going. So they went to New York and built one there. In the summer of 1807 a great crowd gathered to see the boat start on her voyage up the Hudson River. They joked and laughed as crowds will at anything new. They called Fulton a fool and Livingston another. But when Fulton, standing on the deck of his steamboat, waved his hand, and the wheels began to turn, and the vessel began to move up the river. Then the crowd became silent with astonishment. Now it was Fulton's turn to laugh, and in such a case the man who laughs last has a right to laugh the loudest. Up the river Fulton kept going. He passed the Palisades, he passed the Highlands, still he kept on, and at last he reached Albany, a hundred and fifty miles above New York. Nobody before had ever seen such a sight as that boat moving up the river without the help of oars or sails, but from that time people saw it every day. When Fulton got back to New York in his steamboat, everybody wanted to shake hands with him the crowd, instead of shouting fool, now whispered among themselves, he's a great man a very great man, indeed, 
198. The first steamboat in the West, the Great Shake. Four years later Fulton built a steamboat for the West. In the autumn of 1811 it started from Pittsburgh to go down the Ohio River, and then down the Mississippi to New Orleans. The people of the West had never seen a steamboat before, and when the Indians saw the smoke puffing out, they called it the Big Fire Canoe. On the way down the river there was a terrible earthquake. In some places it changed the course of the Ohio so that where there had been dry land there was now deep water, and where there had been deep water there was now dry land. One evening the captain of the Big Fire Canoe fastened his vessel to a large tree on the end of an island. In the morning the people on the steamboat looked out, but could not tell where they were. The island had gone, the earthquake had carried it away. The Indians called the earthquake the Big Shake. It was a good name, for it kept on shaking that part of the country, and doing all sorts of damage for weeks. 199. The Big Fire Canoe on the Mississippi, the fight between Steve and the Great River, what steamboats did, Robert Fulton's grave. When the steamboat reached the Mississippi, the settlers on that river said that the boat would never be able to go back, because the current is so strong, that one place a crowd had gathered to see her as she turned against the current, in order to come up to the landing place. An old negro stood watching the boat. It looked as if in spite of all the captain could do she would be carried downstream, but at last steam conquered, and the boat came up to the shore. Then the old negro could hold in no longer, he threw up his ragged straw hat and shouted, Hooray! Hooray! The old Mississippi's just got her master this time. Sure, soon steamboats began to run regularly on the Mississippi, and in the course of a few years they began to move up and down the Great Lakes and the Missouri River. Emigrants could now go to the West and the Far West quickly and easily, they had to thank Robert Fulton for that. Robert Fulton lies buried in New York in the shadow of the Tower of Trinity Church. There is no monument or mark over his grave, but he has a monument in every steamboat on every great river and lake in America. 200. Summary. In 1807 Robert Fulton of Pennsylvania built the first steamboat which ran on the Hudson River, and four years later he built the first one which navigated the rivers of the West. His boats helped to fill the whole western country with settlers. What did Mr. Livingston say about Louisiana? What did such people think we were like? What would a traveler going west then find? What is said of the country west of the Mississippi? Who helped emigration to the west? What did he find? Tell about Robert Fulton as a boy. Tell about his paddle wheel scow. What did Robert do for his mother? Where did he go? How long did he stay abroad? Tell about his diving boat. What did he do with it in France? What in England? What did the English people offer him? What did Fulton say? Where did Fulton make and try his first steamboat? Tell about the steamboat he made in New York. How far up the Hudson did it go? Tell about the first steamboat at the West. What did the Indians call it? What happened on the way down the Ohio River? Tell about the steamboat on the Mississippi River. What is said of steamboats at the West? What about emigrants? Where is Fulton buried? Where is his monument? General William Henry Harrison 1773-1841. 201. War with the Indians, how the Indians felt about being forced to leave their homes, the story of the log, the year 1811, in which the first steamboat went west. A great battle was fought with the Indians. The battleground was on the Topecanoe River, in what is now the state of Indiana. The Indians fought because they wanted to keep the west for themselves. They felt as an old chief did, who had been forced to move many times by the white men. One day a military officer came to his wigwam to tell him that he and his tribe must go still further west. 
the chief said, General, let's sit down on this log and talk it over. So they both sat down. After they had talked a short time, the chief said, Please move a little further that way, I haven't room enough. The officer moved along. In a few minutes the chief asked him to move again, and he did so. Presently the chief gave him a push and said, Do move further on, won't you? I can't, said the general. Why not? asked the chief. Because I've got to the end of the log, replied the officer. Well, said the Indian, now you see how it is with us. You white men have kept pushing us on until you have pushed us clear to the end of our country, and yet you come now and say, move on, move on. 202. Tecumseh and his brother, the prophet, tried to do. A famous Indian warrior named Tecumseh determined to band the different Indian tribes together, and drive out the white men from the west. Tecumseh had a brother called the prophet, who pretended he could tell what would happen in the future. He said, the white traders come here, give the Indians whiskey, get them drunk, and then cheat them out of their lands. Once we own this whole country, now, if an Indian strips a little bark off of a tree to shelter him when it rains, a white man steps up, with a gun in his hand, and says, that's my tree, let it alone, or I'll shoot you. Then the prophet said to the red men, Stop drinking, fire water, and you will have strength to kill off the pale faces and get your land back again. When you have killed them off, I will bless the earth. I will make pumpkins grow to be as big as wigwams, and the corn shall be so large that one ear will be enough for a dinner for a dozen hungry Indians. The Indians liked to hear these things, they wanted to taste those pumpkins and that corn, and so they got ready to fight. 203. Who William Henry Harrison was? The march to Tepecanoe, the prophets, sacred beans, the battle of Tepecanoe. At this time William Henry Harrison was governor of Indiana Territory. He had fought under General Wayne in his war with the Indians in Ohio. Everybody knew Governor Harrison's courage, and the Indians all respected him, but he tried in vain to prevent the Indians from going to war. The prophet urged them on at the north, and Tecumseh had gone south to persuade the Indians there to join the northern tribes. Governor Harrison saw that a battle must soon be fought, so he started with his soldiers to meet the Indians. He marched to the Topecanoe River, and there he stopped. While Harrison's men were asleep in the woods, the prophet told the Indians not to await, but to attack the soldiers at once. In his hand he held up a string of beans. These beans, said he to the Indians, are sacred. Come and touch them, and you are safe. No white man's bullet can hit you. The Indians hurried up in crowds to touch the wonderful beans. Now, said the prophet, let each one take his hatchet in one hand and his gun in the other, and creep through the tall grass till he gets to the edge of the woods. The soldiers lie there fast asleep, when you get close to them. Spring up and at them like a wild cat at a rabbit. The Indians started to do this, but a soldier on guard saw the tall grass moving as though a great snake was gliding through it. He fired his gun at the moving grass, with a yell up sprang the whole band of Indians, and rushed forward, in a moment the battle began, Harrison won the victory, he not only killed many of the Indians, but he marched against their village, set fire to it, and burned it to ashes, after that the Indians in that part of the country would not listen to the prophet, they said, he is a liar, his beans didn't save us, the battle of Topecanoe did much good, because it prevented the Indian tribes from uniting and beginning a great war all through the west. Governor Harrison received high praise for what he had done, and was made a general in the United States Army. Footnote 6, William Henry Harrison was born in Berkeley, Charles City County, Virginia, 
about 25 miles below Richmond, his father, Governor Harrison of Virginia, was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. 204. Tecumseh takes the profit by the hair, the War of 1812, General Harrison's battle in Canada, President Harrison. When Tecumseh came back from the South, he was terribly angry with his brother for fighting before he was ready to have him begin. He seized the prophet by his long hair, and shook him as a terrier shakes a rat. Tecumseh then left the United States and went to Canada to help the British, who were getting ready to fight us. The next year 1812 we began our second war with England. It is called the War of 1812. One of the chief reasons why we fought was that the British would not let our merchant ships alone, they stopped them at sea, took thousands of our sailors out of them, and forced the men to serve in their warships in their battles against the French. In the course of the War of 1812 the British burned the capital at Washington, but a grander building rose from its ashes. General Harrison fought a battle in Canada in which he defeated the British and killed Tecumseh, who was fighting on the side of the English. Many years after this battle, the people of the West said, We must have the hero of Tepecanoe for President of the United States. They went to vote for him with songs and shouts, and he was elected. A month after he had gone to Washington, President Harrison died 1841, and the whole country was filled with sorrow. 205. Summary. In 1811 General Harrison gained a great victory over the Indians at Tepecanoe, in Indiana. By that victory he saved the West from a terrible Indian war. In the War of 1812 with England General Harrison beat the British in a battle in Canada, and killed Tecumseh, the Indian chief who had made us so much trouble. Many years later General Harrison was elected President of the United States, where was a great battle fought with the Indians in 1811. How did the Indians feel about the West? Tell the story of the log. What did Tecumseh determine to do? Tell about the prophet, who was William Henry Harrison. Tell about the Battle of Tepecanoe. Tell about the sacred beans. What did the Indians say about the prophet after the battle? What good did the Battle of Tepecanoe do? What did Tecumseh do when he got back? Where did he then go? What happened in 1812? Why did we fight the British? What did General Harrison do in Canada? What did the people of the West say? How long did General Harrison live after he became president? General Andrew Jackson 1767-1845 206 Andrew Jackson and the War of 1812 His birthplace, his school, wrestling matches, firing off the gun The greatest battle of our second war with England The War of 1812 was fought by General Andrew Jackson He was the son of a poor emigrant who came from the north of Ireland and settled in North Carolina when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence in 1776, Andrew was nine years old, and his father had long been dead. He was a tall, slender, freckled-faced, barefoot boy, with eyes full of fun, the neighbors called him, mischievous little Andy. He went to school in a log hut in the pine woods, but he learned more things from what he saw in the woods than from the books he studied in school. He was not a very strong boy and in wrestling some of his companions could throw him three times out of four, but though they could get him down without much trouble, it was quite another thing to keep him down. No sooner was he laid flat on his back, than he bounded up like a steel spring, and stood ready to try again. He had a violent temper, and when, as the boy said, and he got mad all over, not many cared to face him. Once some of his playmates secretly loaded an old gun almost up to the muzzle, and then dared him to fire it. They wanted to see what he would say when it kicked him over. Andrew fired the gun. It knocked him sprawling, 
he jumped up with eyes blazing with anger, and shaking his fist, cried out, If one of you boys laughs, I'll kill him. He looked as though he meant exactly what he said, and the boys thought that perhaps it would be just as well to await and laugh some other day. Footnote 2, he settled in Union County, North Carolina, very near the South Carolina line. See map in paragraph 140. Mecklenburg Courthouse is in the next county west of Union County. Attack on the Americans, how Andrew helped his mother. When Andrew was 13, he learned what war means. The country was then fighting the battles of the revolution. A British officer named Tarleton came suddenly upon some American soldiers near the place where young Jackson lived. Tarleton had so many men that the Americans saw that it was useless to try to fight, and they made no attempt to do so. The British should have taken them all prisoners, but, instead of that, they attacked them furiously, and hacked and hewed them with their swords. More than a hundred of our men were left dead, and a still larger number were so horribly wounded that they could not be moved any distance. Such an attack was not war, for war means a fair, stand-up fight, it was murder, and when the people in England heard what Tarleton had done, many cried shame. There was a little log meeting house near Andrew's home, and it was turned into a hospital for the wounded men. Mrs. Jackson, with other kind heart women, did all she could for the poor fellows who lay there groaning and helpless. Andrew carried food and water to them. He had forgotten most of the lessons he learned at school but here was something he would never forget. Tarleton's soldiers meet their match. From that time, when young Jackson went to the blacksmith's shop to get a hoe or a spade mended, he was sure to come back with a rude spear, or with some other weapon, which he had hammered out to fight the redcoats with. Tarleton said that no people in America hated the British so much as those who lived where Andrew Jackson did. The reason was that no other British officer was so cruel as Butcher Tarleton, as he was called, once. However, his men met their match. They were robbing a farm of its pigs and chickens and corn and hay. When they got through carrying things off, they were going to burn down the farmhouse, but one of the redcoats, in his haste, ran against a big hive of bees and upset it. The bees were mad enough. They swarmed down on the soldiers, got into their ears and eyes, and stung them so terribly that at last the robbers were glad to drop everything and run. If Andrew could have seen that battle, he would have laughed till he cried. Footnote 5, Redcoats, this nickname was given by the Americans to the British soldiers because they wore bright redcoats. 209, Dangerous State of the Country, the Roving Bands, Andrew knew that he and his mother lived in constant danger. Part of the people in his state were in favor of the king, and part were for liberty. Bands of armed men, belonging sometimes to one side, and sometimes to the other, went roving about the country. When they met a farmer, they would stop him and ask. Which side are you for? If he did not answer to suit them, the leader of the party would cry out, Hang him up! In an instant one of the band would cut down a long piece of wild grapevine, twist it into a noose, and throw it over the man's head, the next moment he would be dangling from the limb of a tree. Sometimes the band would let him down again, sometimes they would ride on and leave him hanging there. 210. Playing at battle, what Tarleton heard about himself. Even the children saw and heard so much of the war that was going on that they played at war, and fought battles with red and white corn, red for the British and white for the Americans, that the Battle of Cowpens Colonel William Washington fought on the American side, and Tarleton got badly whipped and had to run. Not long afterward he happened to see some boys squatting on the ground, with a lot of corn instead of marbles. They were playing the Battle of Cowpens, 
a red kernel stood for Tarleton, and a white one for Colonel Washington. The boys shoved the corn this way and that, sometimes the red would win, sometimes the white. At last the white colonel gained the victory, and the boys shouted, Hurrah for Washington Tarleton runs! Tarleton had been quietly looking on without their knowing it. When he saw how the game ended, he turned angrily away. He had seen enough of the little rebels, as he called them. Footnote 8, Rebels, this was the name which the British gave to the Americans because we had been forced to take up arms to overthrow the authority of the English king, who was still lawfully, but not justly, the ruler of this country. Had he been a just and upright ruler, there would probably have been no rebellion against his authority at that time. 211, Andrew was taken prisoner by the British, here, boy, clean those boots, the two scars, not long after our victory at Cowpens. Andrew Jackson was taken prisoner by the British. The officer in command of the soldiers had just taken off his boots, splashed with mud, plumbing to them. He said to Andrew, Here, boy, clean those boots. Andrew replied, Sir, I am a prisoner of war, and it is not my place to clean boots. The officer, in a great passion, whipped out his sword and struck a blow at the boy. It cut a gash on his head and another on his hand. Andrew Jackson lived to be an old man but the marks of that blow never disappeared, he carried the scars to his grave. 212. The prisoners in the yard of Camden Jail, seeing a battle through a knot hole, Andrew was sent with other prisoners to Camden, South Carolina, and shut up in the jail yard. There many fell sick and died of smallpox. One day some of the prisoners heard that General Greene the greatest American general in the revolution, next to Washington was coming to fight the British at Camden. Andrew's heart leaped for joy for he knew that if General Green should win he would set all the prisoners at liberty. General Green, with his little army, was on a hill in sight of the jail, but there was a high, tight board fence round the jail yard, and the prisoners could not see them. With the help of an old razor Andrew managed to dig out a knot from one of the boards. Through that knot hole he watched the battle. Our men were beaten in the fight, and Andrew saw their horses, with empty saddles, running wildly about. Then the boy turned away sick at heart. Soon after that he was seized with the smallpox, and would have died of it if his mother had not succeeded in getting him set free. 213. Mrs. Jackson goes to visit the American prisoners at Charleston, Andrew loses his best friend, what he said of her. In the summer Mrs. Jackson made a journey on horseback to Charleston, a hundred and sixty miles away. She went to carry some little comforts to the poor American prisoners who were starving and dying of disease in the crowded and filthy British prison ships in the harbor. While visiting these unfortunate men she caught the fever which raged among them. Two weeks later she was in her grave, and Andrew, then a lad of fourteen, stood alone in the world. Years afterward, when he had risen to be a noted man, people would sometimes praise him because he was never afraid to say and do what he believed to be right, then Jackson would answer, that I learned from my good old mother. 214. Andrew begins to learn a trade, he studies law and goes west, Judge Jackson, General Jackson. Andrew set to work to learn the saddler's trade, but gave it up and began to study law. After he became a lawyer he went across the mountains to Nashville, Tennessee. There he was made a judge. There were plenty of rough men in that part of the country who meant to have their own way in all things, but they soon found that they must respect and obey Judge Jackson. They could frighten other judges but it was no use to try to frighten him. Seeing what sort of stuff Jackson was made of, they thought that they should like to have such a man to lead them in battle. 
and so Judge Andrew Jackson became General Andrew Jackson. When trouble came with the Indians, Jackson proved to be the very man they needed. 215. Tecumseh and the Indians of Alabama, Tecumseh threatens to stamp his foot on the ground, the earthquake, war begins. We have already seen how the Indian chief Tecumseh went south to stir up the red men to make war on the white settlers in the west. In Alabama he told the Indians that if they thought they would gain a great victory, I see, said Tecumseh to them, that you don't believe what I say, and that you don't mean to fight. Well, I am now going north to Detroit. When I get there I shall stamp my foot on the ground, and shake down every wigwam you have. It so happened that, shortly after Tecumseh had gone north, a sharp shock of earthquake was felt in Alabama, and the wigwams were actually shaken down by it. When the terrified Indians felt their houses falling to pieces, they ran out of them, shouting, Tecumseh has got to Detroit. These Indians now believed all that Tecumseh had said, they began to attack the white people, and they killed a great number of them. 216. Jackson conquers the Indians, the holy ground, Weathersford and Jackson, feeding the starving. General Jackson marched against the Indians and beat them in battle. The Indians that escaped fled to a place they called the holy ground. They believed that if a white man dared to set his foot on that ground he would be struck dead as if by a flash of lightning. General Jackson and his men marched onto the holy ground, and the Indians found that unless they made peace they would be the ones who would be struck dead by his bullets. Not long after this, a noted leader of the Indians, named Weathersford, rode boldly up to Jackson's tent. Kill him, kill him, cried Jackson's men, but the general asked Weathersford into his tent. You can kill me if you want to said he to Jackson, but I came to tell you that the Indian women and children are starving in the woods, and to ask you to help them, for they never did you any harm. General Jackson sent away Weathersford in safety, and ordered that corn should be given to feed the starving women and children. That act showed that he was as merciful as he was brave. 217. The British send warships to take New Orleans, the great battle and the great victory. These things happened during our second war with England or the War of 1812. About a year after Jackson's victory over the Indians the British sent an army in ships to take New Orleans. General Jackson now went to New Orleans, to prevent the enemy from getting possession of the city. About four miles below the city, which stands on the Mississippi River, there was a broad, deep ditch, running from the river into a swamp. Jackson saw that the British would have to cross that ditch when they marched against the city. For that reason he built a high bank on the upper side of the ditch, and placed cannon along the top of the bank. Early on Sunday morning, January 8, 1815, the British sent a rocket whizzing up into the sky, a few minutes afterward they sent up a second one. It was the signal that they were about to march to attack us. Just before the fight began General Jackson walked along among his men, who were getting ready to defend the ditch. He said to them, Stand to your guns, see that every shot tells, give it to them. Boys, the boys did give it to them. The British soldiers were brave men, they had been in many terrible battles, and they were not afraid to die. They fought desperately, they tried again and again to cross that ditch and climb the bank, but they could not do it. The fire of our guns cut them down just as a mower cuts down the tall grain with his scythe. In less than half an hour the great battle was over, Jackson had won the victory and saved New Orleans. We lost only eight killed, the enemy lost over two thousand. We have never had a battle since with England, it is to be hoped that we never shall have another. For two great nations like England and America, that speak the same language, 
ought to be firm and true friends. Footnote 14, Nations, a nation is a people born in the same country and living under the same government, as the American nation, the French nation, the English nation. 218, We by Florida, General Jackson made President of the United States, the first railroad. After the Battle of New Orleans General Jackson conquered the Indians in Florida, and in 1819 we bought that country of Spain, and so made the United States much larger on the South. This was our second great land purchase. Illustration, the light parts of this map show the extent of the United States in 1819. After we had bought and added Florida, the black and white bars in the Northwest show that the ownership of the Oregon country was still in dispute between the United States and Great Britain. Ten years after we got Florida General Jackson became President of the United States. He had fought his way up. Here are the four steps. First the boy. Andy Jackson, then, Judge Jackson, then, General Jackson, last of all, President Jackson. Shortly after he became the chief ruler of the nation the first steam railroad in the United States was built 1830. From that time such roads kept creeping further and further west. The Indians had frightened the white settlers with their terrible war hoop. Now it was their turn to be frightened, for the locomotive whistle could beat their wildest yell. They saw that the white man was coming as fast as steam could carry him, and that he was determined to get possession of the whole land. The greater part of the Indians moved across the Mississippi, but the white man kept following them and following the buffalo further and further across the country, toward the Pacific Ocean, and the railroad followed in the white man's track. Illustration the Great Steel Railroad Bridge across the Mississippi River at Street Lewis, built by Captain Meads, and completed in 1874. Footnote 17, the first steam railroad built in the United States extended from Baltimore to Ellicott Mills, Maryland, a distance of 12 miles. It was opened in 1830. It forms a part of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. 219. Summary. Andrew Jackson of North Carolina gained a great victory over the Indians in Alabama and also in Florida. In 1815, in our second war with England, General Jackson whipped the British at New Orleans, and so prevented their getting possession of that city. A few years later we bought Florida of Spain. After General Jackson became President of the United States the first steam railroad was built in this country. Railroads helped to settle the West and build up states beyond the mist.